Welcome to Tomb or Tome, a podcast where three siblings are trying to write a book in the month of November. I'm Daryl. I'm Liz. And I'm Ian. And we we doomed ourselves. We completely doomed ourselves. I mean, some skeletons in here in this tomb. It's great. We we got 50 minutes into an episode and we lost an audio file and no one was recording the <laughs> Skype call. And so that episode is now gone. Goodbye, it's episode. tombed. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to try and just like move on through and recap what you've never heard before. But we, we just said several yeah, minutes ago. We're, we're real tired. We were tired of our books before, and now, woo! Yep. All right, so my book is called The Long Day, and it's about that the sun is refusing to set in this land, and the one person that can make it set is this king that's like, he, he's not doing it. So the main character has to set out, gather up companions, and go kill him to become the new king to make the sun set in this fantasy world. My book is a horror anthology, and it's going to be several short horror, sto- short horror stories. And I'm currently working on one where this guy meets a spirit, and the spirit gives him a special knife and a little leather bag. And he's like, hey, go use this knife on people, drain what comes out of them, give me it, and I'll give you power in return. And uh, my book is about a group of people that all hop in a wagon, head into the mountains, and some bad stuff happens. That's a, t- that's a terrible description <laughs> of my book. <laughs> that's the one where you pitch it in the elevator and the guy walks away. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm like, oh, right. did I mention the wagon's haunted? It has a green X on it. <laughs> all right. So we're supposed to be... About by now, like 23,000 words for Nano, but so far, two of us are not hitting the mark, whereas nope. one of us is on mark so far. I'm at 25,000 words. I am at 6,328 words. I am at 10,011 words. And uh, what we had talked about before is that I'm halfway through Nano right now. Like, I have 25,000 to go until like I finish it or I complete it. And it is a perilous 25,000 left. Like, I have just gotten over the hill, but now I have to travel the same distance again to get to the bottom. And I am not looking forward to it. And I was basically saying that my original goal, secretly, had been to make it to 25,000 words, which is a novella length. And I had done all the math, and by tomorrow I was supposed to be at, I think it's 12,500, and I'm only at half that. Yeah, so you're, you got the double-sized <laughs> road to it's travel. Not looking good. It's uh, an interesting th- thing happened between the Lost cast and then this one. <laughs> in, the, in the last one, I was like, <laughs> I started off, remember, and I was like, oh my god, like, this is it, to me. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. and, and I don't know whether I'm, like, reinvigorated, and I'm like, you know what, I should keep writing. Or if I've just, like, throughout the last episode, I've accepted the fact that I'm, I'm like, already in the tomb. And now I feel, I feel great about where I am. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm like, way off the mark. But, yeah, you know. You're, like, someone that's been consigned to die. And you're like, you know what? Okay. Bring yeah, on the guillotine. This is Bring on right. the death. Just thumbs up while my head's in the guillotine. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, we're going to talk about what we've written up to. And so far in my story... The main, my main character, Wyron, is traveling with his mentor, Eurus, and they have reached the the capital, or like the center point of the world, which is Shades Reach, and it's the this big city that's built under the giant arm of a dead god that looks kind of like emerald and quartz combined, and it's not like an arm arm, you know, it's, it's sort of like how you'd point over to a mountain and you'd be like, oh, that's old man's head or something, and it's just like a boulder looking silly like mount rushmore yeah well no well <laughs> mount, Ru- mount rushmore is actually carved to <laughs> look like man's people head. <laughs> guys we're not a comedy podcast. <laughs> even if our books are jokes <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> yeah we're called tuber tome i think we're allowed a few jokes no we're serious <laughs> it's a very austere name um so anyway my character is there and they are there to listen to my main villain, Tal. He is going to explain why he is not allowing the sun to set here. Like, he said, like, I'll explain it in three weeks, three weeks ago. So that's why the characters are over here waiting to hear him. And 
I am at act three of eight acts. I'm at the end of it, but I still need to finish it. And in it, the big event that happens is the main character's mentor figure, Eurus, uh, dies. And so I, I still have yet to do that. And one of the things that I've been struggling with with writing this is trying to introduce concepts like it was the same problem i had last week where i'm like i don't know when to introduce these concepts early or late and if i feel like i do too much then my book becomes like too bloated like i haven't talked about spirits a lot throughout the book for instance there's a fight going on right now and there's different like spirit users in it but because i haven't talked about spirits like how that system works where when you attack someone you have to use the spirit in some physical sense spirits are like intangible ethereal beings but they they still do an action that affects the real world but they have to be doing the action too so for instance if you punch and your spirit punches with you your punch can become stronger or it can become like lit up with like flames so for instance one of the generals that the main character is fighting right now whenever she jumps the spirit wraps itself around her and turns her into a molten bolt of fire so she can jump through walls or she can like jump into dudes and kill them instantly and wait, 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 so it's like, it's like Nightcrawler from the X-Men, but if she was just like killing fools, is she like hopped through them? No, but Nightcrawler teleports. Like imagine someone jumping and then you just turn into like this arc of fire. Okay, that's very destructive. Okay. Yeah, but that's the thing is the spirit has to like swirl around the person and go outside their body in order to do this. And I haven't explained any of this system because I've been waiting to get to Clay for him to explain everything. Mm. Mm-hmm. But like since I... Since I don't have them, I don't have, you know, the the spirit expert on the team. So I haven't had anyone been like, do you know how spirits work? Yeah. I mean, do you think it's really that big of a deal, though? Because if, like, cool stuff's happening, I guess I would kind of go along with it, right? It is because I haven't, you know, it's like when you're reading certain novels, you kind of want to have a grasp on how, like, normalized or, like, how grounded its world is. Where, for instance, I have a lot of different spirits throughout this world, and I haven't, like, you know, is there a spirit that could kill everyone? I haven't said, no, that's not a possible thing, because spirits can only affect the person that they're bound to. I haven't even said that. And so, uh, your main character, Wyron, he knows, everyone knows about spirits in this world, right? Yes, that's, like, it's common knowledge. Okay, so there's no, you can't have someone to be like, oh, I'm new, I'm new in town. (laughs) Yeah, I'm new in town. What's a spirit, partner? Because I'm trying to think, because, like, in Mistborn, because you've gotten to the point where they describe the magic in that, right? Yeah. And it's because she's like, oh, what's a Mistborn? And then he, like, full-on explains. Right. But then I was saying, like, or thinking in Lord of the Rings, I was like, well, Tolkien never ever says, like, what the magic is, but that's because... Gandalf is a wizard, and that has, like, an inherent built-in, like, oh, he does magic. Yeah. So he doesn't have to have that discussion. I also feel like Tolkien kind of breezes by a lot of things. Kind of, like, just puts stuff out there, and you're like, what is all this elvish stuff that they're singing about? And then you have to flip (laughs) to the index in the book, and you're like, oh. Yeah, yeah. Like, like he kind of expects you to look into, like, the lexicon. Yeah, for sure. Whereas, like, I don't want to do that. I want to introduce it naturally so that you can be on the same page with everyone in the world. It's just I haven't found an opportunity to do so, which is one of those things I have to add in, like, the, the to add later notes where I'm like, find a way to make introducing spirits organic. Yeah. Which is one of the things, like, it makes it hard to want to stay motivated to keep writing my book, at least, because I don't feel like it's good I don't want to keep writing something that's not good. You know, I like I I'd want to fix it or I want to move on to something better. I don't want to keep writing when I feel like everything that I've written here is going to be a rough draft that is going to need some serious revisions after I finish or whenever I quit even. <laughs> whenever I quit. <laughs> and, and that's not to poop on NaNoWriMo, but like the point in NaNoWriMo is like you're supposed to like turn off your internal editor mm-hmm. and like, oh, just get your story done. And it makes me wonder how many people do that and then never go back and edit it. Yeah, like from the... I always... I never remember the amount of nanos I've done. Like the five of them that I've done, I haven't gone back and edited those books yet. But at the same time, I don't feel like they were weak books. It's just like editing's just going to be such a long process. And when I don't, you know, have a gun pointed to my head or a tomb hovering over me. <laughs> um, Or below me. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> no, you can be, uh, be crushed by a tomb. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's true. 
um, I don't feel such a strong incentive to go back and do that, which is why I liked about Nano is it's like, hey, sit down and you have to bang out the story and figure out what points you want to hit within a 30 day period. Yeah. Do you think then like all the other stories you've written, do they still have worth to you? Like even though they weren't edited? Absolutely. I, I, I like them all more than this book. Oh. Every one that I've written so far. Really? Yeah, like quite a bit more. And the big thing is, like, I think it's because my world is so big that it feels very disheveled and disjointed. Where it's like, it's it's supposed to be like a, a journey around the world. Like, oh, here's this place. Here's this place. Here's this place. But because I want to do, like, you know, what each of the cultures like, what the people look like, what the animals are, they're there. More their, like, political history behind each area. And then also, like, the world mythology and what the world is like. It just feels way too much like things are being explained and nothing's happening. Like, I don't know if people want to pick up and read a book that's all about lore building that ends in that book. Yeah. Like, you could do that for, like, you know, a 10-series book, but now I have to cover seven different regions with their own history and people and culture in one book that's also supposed to be about fighting this guy that is, like, the king of the land. Have you ever thought about maybe cutting it down from your original intention, like maybe doing six regions or five? See, I've, ah, you can hear it in my voice, like how how resistant I am to that, because I'm already like, (laughs) if I'm going to do that, there's a part of me that's just like, just abandon it and move on to something else. Because you don't want to spend the time or yeah. or th- this plot doesn't deserve the time? It, it's it. hard because right now, like writing the book, I'm not even sure if this plot is the plot that I want to stay with the story. I, overall, I like I want to keep keep it based on the monomyth and the hero's journey and everything. But like the series of events and everything is still up in the air of what I want to do. Like when they meet Clay or when they meet Sahed. Like, that kind of stuff. Like, I don't know if I want to keep it like this. Well, that's that's the tricky thing is because if you do the hero's journey, that should work for a single book, right? I mean, that's most like oh, single yeah, book yeah, stories. Yeah. Yep. But, but it seems like the world you built around it deserves more than a single book. Yeah. I mean, it's also hard because I'm also trying to finish this within 60,000 words where it's like, I think it'd be comfortable at double that amount. Like, way more comfortable being twice as big. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, like, right now, just trying to pare it down to to be able to fit into a novel, like, sized portion, it's too difficult. Whereas every other book only had a few characters. It had main ideas it wanted to hit on. Those books, like, revolved around one or two settings. And then this is, like, I have, like, two towns per act, eight different acts, and there's things in between the towns happening. It's just... There's so much information and things that need to occur, and I have no idea if any of the pacing's good at all. It doesn't feel good writing it. Yeah. Well, at least you have no fear of running out of stuff to write. <laughs> <laughs> Got lots going on. Is, is that something you're afraid of, Liz? <laughs> a bit. That, that was it? Just, just a bit? Yeah. <laughs> a bit. That was supposed to be a segue to your book. Yeah. No. Uh, so... I wrote, I started my chapter two, and it begins where Nettie, who is one of our shared characters, it's told from her perspective now, so she now she's the one saying, I awoke and I did this, and she wakes up and she basically says that there is trouble, and it kind of goes through her day where you find out that she's a college professor, and she's teaching this class, and Anna, who's... Tall's girlfriend in my book, my main character, happens to be in her class. And then it basically ends her part with her saying that she has to go hunting again. Because she has this, like, spiritual sight where she can kind of see into the spirit world and she can, uh, like, see spirits and energies. And she kind of has, like, a shining where she can just feel when uh, spiritual or, like, negative activity is occurring. But you don't explain where this comes from, right? No. Because I think I'm just going to have it be assumed that at some point she probably met a spirit and it gave her this power. Okay. And so, and then her part ends and it goes back to from Tall's point of view. And he's sitting there with the knife that that spirit had given him. And he's like, 
who's my who should I first use this on? I almost said my first victim. <laughs> um, <laughs> who's my first victim? Yeah. Wow. And he remembers that the spirit told him that if the person is close to you, it'll basically give you more energy. Like the closer they are, the more energy they'll yield. And so he's like, well, Anna's in the same house as me. She's sleeping and she's a very close person to me. She's my girlfriend. And so he decides to use the knife on Anna first. He goes into her room while she's sleeping and he makes a cut and... She doesn't feel it. She doesn't wake up. Everything that the spirit basically said would happen. And she starts, she has this crazy wound that I tried to describe in some gross ways. And it emits this like foul smelling, orange, chunky, just really gross kind of liquid. And he collects it in his little bag and he brings it back to the spirit. And it drinks the liquid and then it locks eyes with him for a little bit. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's pretty creepy. Does it lock eyes as it drinks? <laughs> you know, it didn't, I, but I, I, I could. I do not like that image. <laughs> <laughs> Drinking your girlfriend's chunky orange foul as smelling. As it just stares at you. Icor. You know what it is? It's like whenever cats eat and they just look at you while they do it, it's like, whoa, man. <laughs> Pay attention to your food. Yep. But so that all happens, and then Tall goes outside of the factory, he's a little skeeved out, and he passes out. And then he wakes back up, and he realizes that he feels stronger, he's faster, he has a bit of night vision. So basically, the spirit did keep his word and gave him some powers. That's really cool. Yep. Uh, Is there any trajectory for the powers? Like, is it just he just gets enhanced all over? Um, so... Yeah, there's, he's basically gonna end up with pretty much, like, superhuman strength, speed, total night vision. I haven't quite come up with what my end game is, but I have come up with my end end game. Oh. Is it gonna be, like, a fly situation? <laughs> <laughs> well, like, oh man, this is great. Wait a minute, my body's, like, not in my body so much anymore. I did actually watch The Fly two weeks ago, but... Oh, would you say it was in preparation for this nano? <laughs> that is going to be part of my twist is what the end end game is. Um, but anyways, he realizes that he's got some powers. So he decides to just keep draining from Anna and bringing it back to the demon, slowly gaining his power. As he's doing this, Anna's deteriorating. She's becoming more and more sick. And she basically has to even drop out of school for a week. So she goes to school for a day just to pick up her classwork that she's missing. And that's when Nettie sees her. And Nettie realizes that something's terribly wrong. She can basically see all these wounds that Tal has been making. And she realizes, hey, whoever I'm hunting for is connected with Anna in some way. And that's where I finished writing today. Is that Nettie now has her her lead. You said you wrote a lot today, right? Yeah, because I had really crapped out this week and wrote not a lot. And then today I wrote about half the words I've written for the whole week. Yeah, th- those days always feel nice where you're like, yeah, yeah I got stuff done. Yeah, where you're, it's, it feels good when you get into a groove where you're like, oh, this is a good part. <laughs> and I, I want to get to the next part and keep going. Yeah, there's there's always parts where I'm like, I enjoy what I'm writing. And those are the ones where I'm not constantly obsessing over the word count. Where I'm like, oh, yes. Uh, 200 more words. I need to get like 300. Instead, you're like, oh, look, there's like 2,000 for the day. Yeah, you're like, oh, it just happened. And that's a lot of the stuff I groove on is going back and adding in things that make my story make sense. <laughs> it's it's almost like I have a puzzle that is missing a bunch of pieces, and it's not building the messed up, unfinished puzzle that I really like. It's going back and being like, oh, I can see now this is a, this is a boat. Or, you know, mm. this is this is a d- picture of a dog. And so, like, th- the purpose of Nano is to, again, turn off your internal editor, focus on just writing, and all you're doing is building, like, this, like, super, like, you know, rickety spider web of ideas. And that that's not what I... I don't like that. Yeah. Yeah. I like to look at it and not have any holes and know that everything's good. So that's... There's a lot of times where I will go back in and when I add in something that I'm like, oh, it, it needs this, then... Everything makes sense, and then I even like flesh out parts, and then I'm like, "Oh, this is great! I need to go back into where I was because what I've like added." It would make Nano really rough for you. It is. 
So what, what have you written to, Ian? Um, so last time, we, I was at about 6,000, and then I wrote about 4,000 since then. And all that 4,000 was in, like, almost, I think, the next eight hours after we were done podcasting. <laughs> oh. Whoa, so, it's, so Yeah, so it's been a week, and I have not written anything. <laughs> oh, Is it because of the... The complaint that you lodged against Nano, where it's like you you don't like the rickety spiderweb stuff. Kind of. Like you don't feel the drive to expand on a story that already needs expanding on. It's just I, when I actually like get over the hump and start writing, it's fine. It's just leading up to it, all I'm thinking about is like, oh, this part doesn't make sense, or oh, I should really go add in this little bit in the beginning when you know Nettie first meets Sahet. Just to make it make a little bit more sense, or oh, I, my world sure is the world itself is rickety. I really need to fill out X, Y, and Z, and so it's hard to it's hard to turn off wanting to mess with all those other things. So what has happened in the four thousand words you wrote? So when we last left everyone, they had just gotten in the wagon and painted a green X on it, and they're like, oh man, let's let's start heading out. Got to go find that trail on the mountains, and then all all I've written. Is that they get in that wagon and they've just been in that wagon and they haven't they haven't even gotten they haven't even gotten to a town they haven't like <laughs> they met anything evil wagon. but you're still writing about like the scenery and stuff like you're still making the world feel alive I assume yeah like they pass people and people are like judging them and then everyone's like oh man what's up with that and there's been like a lot of character interactions I'm trying to set like who who's nice who's mean who's abusing their wife. <laughs> Hint it, hint it's tall. <laughs> oh boy, he's just always abusing his wife. <laughs> hey, he's not even married in mine. Wow, that's, you're probably for the best. <laughs> yeah, and because uh, he, he would abuse. <laughs> Nettie's been kind of out of the picture, and so is Clay. And I've had Wyron just had a big long talk with uh, Sahet, where he's describing to her like, "Oh, these are what the X's mean," and like, "Oh." You know, where I'm from. And she's like, oh, where are you from? And then he, he clutches, you know, the stupid pendant around his neck. He's like, Horus! Oh, Horus! He's like, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Why does he get that voice? <laughs> oh, I don't want to stop it. <laughs> um, but the good thing is, is, so that was all chapter three. And again, it's by the end of it, I was like, I really needed to add more of them being persecuted on the road of like people like, you know, hiding their children and like, you know, spinning and cursing at them as they go by because of the green X. Mm -hmm. Wow. People really don't like it when you go into those mountains. They don't. Not at all. (laughs) Well, and I, I, the way I described it in the book, actually, I thought it was pretty good was, um, Wyron says that like from all around people know about this place because there's a lot of money in connecting these two places because, you know. It costs a lot of money to go around these mountains. And so a path through would make sense. And so the prospect of like, you know, money and selling the pass and like having the information draws a bunch of people from basically low income places to try and get rich quick. Mm-hmm. And so that's oh. why people see yeah, like like the rush out west was. Yeah. And so that's why people locally see that as a bad thing is because all these super rich people come in they're like oh, i'm gonna hire a party and we're gonna go into those mountains and you have all these like the poor people in town being like i'll join that party i don't care if every other party that's done for it is gonna die because this could be my big break american mm-hmm. dream and everything and so they see it as almost like a predatory thing when these pe- these outsiders come in and scoop up all these like locals yeah yeah so that's that was my justification. I remember you mentioned one of the things that you wanted to flesh out before regarding your story was that um, you had made Nettie, more people treat her more seriously because of all the parties that go into these mountains, she's the only one that returns. So it looks like she's the the skilled, you know, intrepid adventurer. Well, sure. And that's, that's what I'm trying to set, like, whether or not it's respect because she's like, a, you know, a pathfinder type of lady or if it's fear because she's the one taking these people up and she keeps coming back with these empty wagons hmm. so but the good news is so i started chapter four and so the chapter three was mostly just like again character and world building and chapter four now is it's in the middle of a storm has just blown in and they're trying to get to the first of three towns that they're going to visit and i'm going to start to have creepy stuff happen i think so that's exciting yeah creepy stuff is always fun to write yeah and i'm 
And again, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to have like creepy creature type things throughout the book. And I don't think they're ever going to come back. I think it's just going to be like this like world is super messed up in certain places kind of a thing. Hmm. Hmm. That sounds cool. Yep. Says Ryman. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm I'm a little tired. (laughs) All right. So that's the progress that we've made on each of the stories so far. Um... Next, we're going to talk about a topic that we wanted to bring to the table to discuss regarding our books, like something we found interesting or that we we want like other opinions on. And for me, one of my problems is that I'm having trouble coming up with concise motives for some of my characters, uh, namely my main villain, because the entire story centers around him and the fact that he won't make the sun go down to save, you know, the world. And so... He organizes a council to get together, and the main character goes to it with his mentor. And then Tall, the main villain, comes in, and he sits down, and he just exposits for like nine paragraphs in between people yelling at him what his main plan is. And his big thing is he's not letting the sun go down for two reasons. And, well, technically, it's one reason. It's that he's using it as a bartering chip for other people to meet his demands. He, He has two demands. The first is that of the seven regions in the whole world, he wants the capital leaders, the people that are like the governors of, or the mayors, they're kind of like both. They're like a governor that works as a mayor in the the capital cities of each region. Um, Mm -hmm. He wants them ousted. They have to leave. And Tall is going to put in his own generals into each of these stations. And the generals are going to be able to pick that the men that they, they want to go into the political structure because what Tal's essentially doing is uh he acts kind of like as the executive branch in the land where he he doesn't make laws he just enforces them with all the soldiers in the land but now this is him saying i want this legislative power to be able to make laws and affect each region and to solve it my way or the way that my generals would deem fit mm-hmm. so he basically wants to become the real tyrant of the whole world and his second thing his second demand is that he wants a flesh border built in every region, because it's only in one region right now, but he wants it built in every region so that they can commune with spirits easier and let more spirits into the world. Because part of Tall's thing is that he's also been influenced by the Vile One, which is my main super bad evil Voldemort spirit that is, its power is that it can like control dead bodies and influence people like near death. And Hold on, does, does he know that he's being influenced? No, kind of. It's sort of like one of those things where you're not entirely sure. It's kind of like if you're, (laughs) to put it like crassly, it's sort of like if you're going crazy and people are telling you you're going crazy, it's like you can't ever know if you're going crazy because that's the problem is that you're going like he's being influenced but he still feels that he has complete control over his decisions and everything that he does. But people are saying, like, you're being influenced by this guy. It's like, no, like, I really just care about the spirits coming out into the world. Because the the Vile Ones thing is it wants to kill everyone on the surface of the world so that spirits can rule and, like, succeed the humans. And that's what Tall's kind of doing by not having the long day end is that he's going to kill everyone unless he's able to put more spirits into the world, which a lot of people suspect spirits are there to kind of, like, kill everyone. And so if this big bad... Or not kill everyone, take advantage of everyone. And if this big bad spirit can only influence people who are dead or close to death, does that mean that Tal has some sort of, like, terminal illness? No. It's it's kind of, like, hard to describe because it's more about its presence. Like, it influences things close to death, but it can still, like, influence, like, people to a certain degree. And Tal was in such a dire battle with it. I think that's how the spirit got infused or, like, connected oh. to him. This is all like really super endgame spoilery stuff because it, it's not even said that the Vile One is influencing him yet because that's what Clay's going to talk about is spirits influencing people. Okay. Oh. So right now he comes in and he has like, he puts down his two demands and he says, you have to do this or what's going to happen is like, I know you could go back and like organize your armies and storm the Dayspire, which is the tower that I preside at. But I've also lined the date spire with explosives that I introduced in that speech. I meant to introduce them earlier, but like I had no other place to put it. So it's this explosive that will blow up the day spire. And the day spire is the only place where you can perform the ceremony that brings down the sun. 
which is why the lord of the land the person the only person that can perform it lives there wait so what does he have to gain because if they're like we're never giving into your demands then what does he he kills the he doesn't gain anything he says we all die and he's totally cool with that well because probably because he's being influenced yeah oh but would the spirits have something to gain from that by all of them dying yeah because then the spirits could go and live on this world presumably it's it's one of the things where the spirits like i haven't nailed down exactly what they're seeking for i know there's like different types of spirits that do different things but i don't know if they have like an overall goal besides what the vile one was doing which was we need to kill all the humans okay which is like that that's his end game is to kill or it's end game doesn't have a gender it's sad i feel like uh like i know you brought up a topic but all i want to do is talk about your lore (laughs) (laughs) i want to like be like oh maybe like the humans are are they like keeping like are they like limiting you know they have a, a, a border policy for how many spirits come through that flesh gate um no this it's sort of like if spirits want to come through they're they're all going to be bunched up over there and they can only come through like you know a certain number per year and stuff so but they're, they're just gonna be bunched there whereas like making multiple flesh borders will allow more to come through so they do have an immigration policy <laughs> yeah okay i also think it's funny that like my thing like you could read into my story that it's like super anti-immigrant but i wanted to specifically make it that spirits are i mean you could consider this anti-immigrant they're not people <laughs> oh, no. they're, they're literally evil things <laughs> but it goes back to my lore where it's like the, the world was formed by two gods fighting each other and one was angry and couldn't let go of its rage and i mean again you could look at it yeah, <laughs> yeah you really like I, I, I guess i did not realize what i was doing i don't mean it to be like this i mean it's not it's not up for me to determine my own art sorry. context though sorry, sorry man that's why books have uh, that forward where you can be like hey i know how this reads <laughs> i am so sorry i know what you're thinking this is gonna be the most xenophobic thing you ever read yeah <laughs> That's right. That means half the country will buy it. So, <laughs> um, yep. so my my problem getting back around to that is that my stuff needs to be. I feel like my motive needs to be concise with this guy because I spend so much of this chapter of him talking and explaining why he can't be killed right now, and it's like why only the main character can stop him, and why he's like forcing his demands on people, and what his plans are if they don't agree with him. Like, it's just so much blabbing. Mm-hmm. I feel like I need motives to be concise because I don't even feel like you could sum up what Tall wants in one sentence. It's kind of confusing. Whereas, like, I like I like Tall's character to be very, like, stern and laconic and he commands presence because he's supposed to be referencing how the Lord of the Land is supposed to be this powerful figure. And as Wyron, someone that was told he needs to become the Lord of the Land, the story is kind of about, like, what makes a good leader. You know, what is good decision-making skills? Do you need to be, like, feared in order to be powerful? And having Tall kind of sit there and just talk a lot doesn't flow with the book well. Well, because it seems like he's the type of character that instead of talking, he'd be acting, right? Or no? Kind of. I mean, that's the other hard part is that he still needs to explain what he's doing. Because no one knows what he's doing because he doesn't explain anything. So then he has to come here and be like, oh, this is actually my plan. You guys obey it or you die. Yeah, and I know in the Lost cast that Ian and I had kind of said that maybe when someone else ends up reading this book, they won't find it so jarring and it'll actually just kind of feel like, you know, a nice explanation point or it'll be like, oh, well, they had to have that meeting and it explained what Tall's intentions were. Yeah, you can have the reader be lost unless you get to that, the the forced exposition dump. And also, yeah. oddly enough, it almost seems like Tall's character, like you've written yourself into a corner because he's like, yeah, I don't explain my actions. I just do things. And so everyone's like, I guess I don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. And this is why I'm like, I'm so wishy-washy on my book is there, I feel like there's a lot of things that need to be rethought or reworked in order to make it flow naturally and that... The characters, the I mean, the reader is not left out, but at the same time, it feels like the world makes sense within itself. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> um. So Liz, <laughs> doom. <laughs> so Liz, I know you don't. You don't seem to have a lot of problems with having you know fifty different characters all with different agencies. No. <laughs> but what 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 is on your mind with your book? Um. So one of the problems that I've been facing 
with my book is how to make a pretty bad evil character sympathetic. Because I originally started the book... Tragic backstory. There. Boom. We're done. Well... Well, so I, I, I don't have a tragic backstory for him, though. He just really likes spirits. <laughs> but I didn't want Tall to just be hated. I didn't want people to just read this book and severely dislike him. I know that our mom actually read a comic series called Infamous. Irredeemable. Ir- irredeemable, sorry. And it's basically about Superman gone wrong. And she hated that book. Yeah. <laughs> because the, the main character is not a good person, doesn't do good things, basically. Yeah, he's a pretty big jerk. I mean, the, the opening of the book is him killing a little girl and her family. Yeah. But they do a good job, in my opinion, of making him sympathetic. Where you're like, oh, okay, I understand why he went down this road. Mm-hmm. Whereas in my book, I'm kind of like... And because it's a short story, too, I feel like I'm struggling with really making Tall sympathetic at all, which was my original intention. Because I kind of wanted it to be a story about this guy who is hurting someone he loves, but he can't stop himself because he just really wants what he gets out of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's tragic unto itself, right? Like the fact that he's just consumed by greed or you know that power lust maybe he's addicted to the power yeah but like, i mean you could look at like a lot of villains and a lot of stories and they have that kind of thing where it's like they're so addicted to it that they're not you, you don't think of them as tragic you just think of them as evil yeah and i feel like how how i've written him so far he's just evil i mean does does he feel does he express any sadness when he's slicing open his girlfriend <laughs> he does express guilt but i feel like Maybe I just need to take more time and flesh that out more because I feel like he expresses guilt, but it's not it's not enough. It's not a lot. What could be interesting is you could have it be guilt, but the fact that he keeps returning to it is what like that's what allows the reader to be like, well, he's not good. Even if he's like, this is so terrible. I don't mean to do this to Anna. I wish it could be someone else. But he continues to choose her. Because that's a good way to be like, you allow, you don't even have to have him explain it. You just allow the reader to be like, you're not good, though. I don't know. That's making me hate him even more. Oh, that he's so like, oh, I'm sorry. Well, he's like cutting her. Yeah. And then it's like, well, clearly you're not sorry, dude. Stop slicing her. Hmm. Yeah. And then he, the other, my other problem is that when he does get the power, he gets all jazzed up. (laughs) (laughs) It's really cool to him. Well, I mean, and, and like. That reaction I had there, like, that's not necessarily a bad thing, you know? I'm not indifferent to him. Just because I'm not, like, sympathetic towards his goals, doesn't. I'm still, like, having an emotional response. It's just not the one you want from me. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, which can be difficult. Um, I'm going to plug my own book here, but uh, two years ago when I was trying to do uh, I Was My Stalker, the premise of that book is exactly what it sounds like. It's... This guy stalks this girl and does a lot of terrible things, like, not directly to her, but, like, around her. Like, again, just stalking someone and following them and leaving notes in their locker and pretending you're being romantic when you're just being creepy. And then what happens is he dies and it goes back in time and he becomes her so that he has to experience what she went through but remembering what he had done. Mm-hmm. And one of the difficult parts of that story is trying to make it where I'm writing a character that's sympathetic that is suffering from something like the the stalking mm-hmm. but at the same time like the the kind of twist of that book is that i write about how the stalking um emotions and uh compulsions manifest themselves in her life so that she's a bad person so you feel bad it's like you can do better but at the same time you still need them to be bad enough that it's like you could see the stalkerness in them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which is like, that's always a tough line to walk to be like, I need you to be, you know, a piece of crap, but I need the reader to root for you. Or to want to root for you. Yeah, it's like, I, I pretty much want people to read this and be like, it's all sucks, but man, I also feel bad for him. Which I, I haven't been able to achieve that yet. Right now, it's just all sucks. <laughs> well, I mean, I feel like the, the old well... It seems like the only way you can have people feel bad for him is he has to do a bunch of bad stuff, and basically the price he pays is way worse than anything he's done. Oh, yeah, because, yeah, you'll get people that will be like, well, I don't think he deserved, you know, to turn into a pile of poop. 
<laughs> yeah, or like or like yeah. burn alive, but like forever, like keep getting reborn. Yeah, yeah. Any any eternal torture is always never worth it, no matter what the crime. Yeah, it's it's like he you know, we cut a girl, which is pretty bad, but come on now. Also, it's, it's tough because that's why like a lot of villains get tragic backstories is because you allow the um the reader to be like they're a product of their environment. Like, it's not just their fault. You know, if someone came through their town and killed their whole family, you're not going to be like, well, F this guy for being like this. You're like, I understand your plight where it's hard when you're not going to do that because it just makes him look like he's enjoying this. Selfish. Yeah. 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 Well, and not to get too much into spoilers for my book, but like, so I have Tall is married to Anna in my book and Tall is pretty abusive Mostly emotionally, but some physically, at least I hint to physical violence. And I do have like a, quote unquote, like a sympathetic backstory for him where he's like, oh, you know, nobody ever believed I could do it and everyone put me down and, and oh, your, your, your dad, which would be his father-in-law, you know, he was always like, you know, saying he expected I had to take care of you and all this stuff and it was so much pressure. But like at the end of the day, it's still like, yeah. He's making excuses. Yeah, and it's like, that doesn't excuse anything you've done, man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and then I, I'm i going to have Anna, basically, because I think I'm going to have Anna be the one to kill him. Oh! <laughs> yeah, but I think, again, she's, if I already mentioned, like, a, the beast baby she's going to have? No. No. Okay, anyway, so. <laughs> she, she's moving Just past breeze past right, the so, beast So baby. she's going to end up killing him, and I think it's going to be, like, a real, like, like poetic <laughs> thing where he's going to be, like, maybe, like, in the middle of doing it. Like, like, really pounding on her. And then her just being like, you know, like, that's no excuse for anything you've ever done to me. Kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's hard because, again, I, so far I've just written him to be, like, a cold jerk who just seems really abusive. And I don't know if I should play him as sympathetic, like you're talking, Liz, or if I should just leave it as in, like, no, he's pretty much a jerk. And he has, like, excuses yeah. that he's built up. But... And even though, like, that should read as sympathetic or could read as sympathetic, it doesn't and shouldn't because it doesn't excuse what he did. I think the latter yeah, case is more interesting for at least, like, the story you're going for, especially if you're not trying to involve, uh, you're not trying to go deeper on anyone's, like, interpersonal relationships. Yeah. Whereas, like, Liz's seems like it kind of has a message that it's saying about relationships and the way yeah. you can act with someone. Where it's like, you, you, can, you know, you don't. The selfish things you do drains them of their life. Yeah. And that you don't mean to do it. It's just that you can't help yourself sometimes. Yeah. Sure. That's a tough one. But yeah, so that's been my struggle for, for now at least. Do you have anything, Ian? Yeah, what's up with you, Ian? Mine's just just writing. <laughs> <laughs> just sitting down. Just the whole... <laughs> Because the whole thing, man. But, I'm, but I'm, I'm that way with everything I do, though. Is there's, there's always like a huge hurdle I have to pass before I can start anything, whether it's drawing, writing, video editing. Yeah, but the <laughs> the, the hurdle for writing is it sounds like it's the act itself. But it's which, that's not like a hurdle. That's the thing. It's more like because I in my head I'm I have all this stuff that I'm planning on. Again, it's like man, I got to build out this world. I need to go back and edit this stuff. I need to figure out what is going to happen. I got to get what you know bad. It's all this stuff I need to come up with before I feel like I can even sit down and start writing. Mm -hmm. And there's there's some aspects of Nano that I like a lot, like the whole like you know just like sometimes you just have to do it, and so you get a bunch of interesting stuff out. I guess that that's something I could ask you guys. Like, is there anything you would change again, or you've learned about the stories you're writing this year that you're like, you know what, this isn't something that I think is good to use as a nano book. Like for Liz, like like this book you've been wanting to write for a long time. Like it's nice that you're finally writing it. But do you wish you had chosen like another story that you weren't so like, oh, this is a book I've been waiting for for years. Um. I mean, personally, I just feel like to, in order to write nano, you need to do. So I feel like you need to do something that you're really into and really passionate about. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Really? Because that's how I did I was them, and I felt good about it the whole time. Because I was like, I like what I'm writing, I like what I'm doing. Whereas with this, it's not so much. Maybe maybe for me, I'm I'm too invested in my story, though. Like, I'm like too much like, oh, I want this to be good. And so I, I can't I can't get over the fact that what I'm doing is not good. And so it was just... Well, I feel like... I feel like it's because you have a different writing style, too, from me. Yeah. Yeah. Probably from D. 
because you really like well we've always made the joke that you really like storyboarding <laughs> but you do you really like planning things out before you even start whereas i kind of just get up and go like uh we talked about it in the lost cast but it was the difference between like that you said of like the 90,000 page or 90,000 word book that you wrote before for the very first nano that you on a reread that you ditch half those words yes yeah and that's a lot yeah whereas i feel like with liz that's way more like the first draft is going to be the final draft like when i when i write short stories that's the way it is my first draft is almost the final draft outside of weird sentences i need to readjust but when you guys when you guys write that you guys write slower like pretty slow pace you'd say yeah or like slow is a bad it'd be deliberate you guys are very deliberate when you write yeah because what you're putting down that first time is pretty much what you want to put down yeah whereas i feel like the books that i wrote for nano ah sometimes it depends on the book like for this one right now it's like none of this it feels like i'm gonna keep it so this is kind of just to generate ideas and see how they play out in the world but it's not successful so far well now that i'm thinking about maybe that's why i can't do nano because maybe if i was doing nano i'd feel the same way that you guys do yeah but i always feel fine about my books because i do write i don't make the word count yeah Whereas I'm starting every single sentence with the main character's pronoun. Wyron walked into the room. Wyron sat down. I'm like, this is no one wants to read this. If Wyron screamed, Wyron. No, Wyron screamed Horace. <laughs> See, I, I, again, I guess it's just unique to me. But because, like, we, when we made I Am a Castle, we never planned out any of that, did we? Yeah, but that that was absurd humor. Right, Which but it works it, works a lot better than world building where you're like, what is my religion of my world? Right. So I think I think what I'm realizing is that for this nano, I think I just chose a really bad subject to try to do this type of thing. Like you don't do absurdist humor or you you wouldn't do a world building thing for I am a castle if you were like in a storyboard that out. That makes no sense to do that for that. And so I, it makes no sense to have, like, a super deep world that I need to do a lot of work for, for Nano, which is, like, inherently just like, no, just get stuff down fast as possible. Yeah, but it's hard because I feel like with almost any book, to a certain extent, you kind of, for us, you need to have, like, a beginning and end and a series of plots and then something to happen in that world to make it feel interesting. Yeah, and I also feel like you want a storyboard because, or at least somewhat plan things out because you don't just want to write garbage during nano because it's like well what's the point but that's like i guess i've always seen nano less as like a like i finally i'm gonna get this novel completed and more of like a writing exercise yeah which it would i think most people agree with you there and so like it seems like it's a good time to not get invested in your world and stuff and a good time to be like i'm gonna try to do x y or z like i saw a lot of people this year on forums talking about the fact that like you know this year they were like i'm gonna try to do a fan fiction but at the same time like to me i understand that it just seems crazy to spend like 40 hours doing uh just experimenting around like that's something i feel like you start with a short story just to be like i want to see what this is like i i was doing this both as a test run to see if i could do a fantasy world and i can do third person well but Nano's forcing me to think at a faster pace, which makes less refined and less good work for me. So it feels like the answer is no, but it's also because I haven't been seriously trying. It, so it almost seems like Nano's defeating the purpose then that you set out for, right? Uh, yeah. Because I mean, because the thing is, is like now, because at this point, you're almost like, man, third person isn't really working for but what I, mean, I it, want at the same time the stories that i wrote in first person like i was my stalker i felt were really good so maybe it's just like i just can't do third person writing or like fantasy writing in this world i'm too slow and i'm not going to produce anything of good quality in the amount of time it takes me to do this well that i again just my opinion i feel like that's not necessarily your fault i think this, that's just a product of the genre right uh but it is my fault if i'm not like a strong genre writer right but but i'm saying like it taking a long time to write i think is just what the genre is it's a lot of you have to like reference your notes a lot of slow moving a lot of like again 
going back, fixing things. Yeah. Continuity. Yeah. But I'm I'm sure there are some people that are out there that could do fantasy stories like this well. Maybe you just base it off of like high fantasy like elves. San- Sanderson does like three fantasy books a year or something like that or four. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, we're also all not Sanderson. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Or Stephen King. Yeah. Or Stephen King. Jesus. Well, I mean, but I mean, there's nothing wrong with it being like a George R. R. Martin, where it takes you nine, ten <laughs> question mark amount of years to write a book. Well, that's assuming you're putting out good stuff, like he is. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, um, let's move on to the final segment, which is what we're excited to write about in the future, so we don't end it on a sad note, like we always seem to do, that we're getting tombed, and. <laughs> Uh, we're still getting tombed yeah we are still getting tombed for me what am i even excited to write about <laughs> oh no oh no what a bad spot <laughs> it's just one of those things where like every time like i kind of like writing new towns and being like oh here's like the weird food they have or what animals are nearby or what they dress like or like how cold the people act like when i was writing about wyron going to this one city and it was it was so busy kind of like you know a modern metropolitan the metropolitan area <laughs> that's the word <laughs> like it, it's so busy that it's not um it feels alien and cold like i want to express that then goes to like the military place and he's like wow like i thought the last place was cold but like this place is like kind of oppressive okay that's cool mm. and I, I i i like writing that stuff like giving each each of my towns a distinct flavor so you're looking forward to the world building yeah i guess yeah 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 uh, I'm looking forward to probably finishing up the story way at the end of the week because I'm excited to write some of the creepy stuff. I got some body horror coming up and revealing of twists and getting it wrapped up. Um, I'm looking forward to the possibility that I will actually go back and keep writing. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just a possibility and not a fact, so... <laughs> my biggest hurdle is the writing my <laughs> best hope is the writing <laughs> yeah the writing so pray for mojo and hopefully i don't end up in the tomb because <laughs> I, I i am already like one one foot and four toes into that tomb so okay <laughs> all right so that's been our podcast um let's scream what we always scream <laughs> oh, oh,